going to read out of the book of John as you remain standing. John chapter 20, verse 18, verse 22. We've been talking about contagious hope and how to be anchored in. And when you have an anchor of hope, it produces joy. And that joy is unchangeable hope. And then we talked about that hope that comes from the cross. And then those spoken words of hope when Jesus was on the cross that leads us to a day after his resurrection when trouble comes and we have uncertainty unlocking the door of hope. In John chapter 20, verse 18, it says, Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples that she had seen the Lord and that he had spoken these things to her. Then they same evening, or excuse me, then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, locked, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood in their midst and he said to them, peace be with you, peace be with you. When he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. I like that. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. And the Father has sent me, so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. I want to talk to you again about unlocking that door of hope so you can receive everything God has for you today. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your word. Thank you today for our wonderful worship with the team, all of us coming together. And Lord, we're grateful today that you unlock that door of hope for us by, by raising from the dead and giving you and I, giving us all everlasting life. In Jesus' name and all God's men and women said, amen. amen. Before you sit down, turn to your neighbor on the left and say, you're awesome. Turn to the neighbor on the right and said, you're even better. And go ahead and sit down. I want to encourage you this morning that the best is yet to come. That God has a great plan for your life. I want to also say to you, I want to make sure that you get here this week. Women on Wednesday night, seven, uh, 6.30. Men on uh, Tuesday with, uh, excuse me, women on Tuesday, men on Wednesday, women on Tuesday, men on Wednesday, women on Tuesday, men on Wednesday, and what I'm going to bust a rap for you today. But no, I'm not going to break dancing, rapping. What have I become? But there's something about when you gather together more than just a Sunday, it's going a little bit deeper. So women on Tuesday, men on Wednesday, it'll be something for us men. Let's get here this Wednesday at 630. It'll be a great investment for a six-week time. Now, I want you to think about something because the Bible tells us amazing stories all throughout the Bible. And this New Testament story that I read is an interesting one. Because it's an interesting, when you read through the gospel, specifically through the New Testament, we hear about Jesus. He dies for our sins. He's crucified on a cross. As a matter of fact, not only is he crucified, he's buried in a tomb. And on the third day, he's, he's raised from the dead. But what's interesting, it never speaks about the moment when he was raised from the dead. It tells us he was born in the manger in Bethlehem. It doesn't know the exact moment. The detail's not there, but shepherds haven't announced to them. But when it comes to the moment that he got out of the tomb and he came to life and how that grave clothes were unwrapped off him and placed neatly in the empty tomb and laid there, the Bible is really silent about it. That he died, that he was buried, that, that he was rose from the dead, that's there. But there's not much farther than that about what actually happened. That's why after the 40 and 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead, the scriptures say that he appeared to people. Some of it he mentions in details, but the Bible with other references are kind of unclear about what was spoken, what he said to them, what they said to him. It appears that Peter had an encounter with the Lord. 
after Jesus rose from the dead. It was a one-on-one encounter with Jesus Christ. We know nothing about what Peter said or what the Lord said to Peter, but we know it happened. He appeared to James, his half-brother. James, who had denied the Lord and who did not believe that Jesus was Messiah. Now Jesus appears to him after his resurrection and has a one-on-one with James. We know that because James becomes the first leader, the pastor in the church of Jerusalem. The Bible tells us that Jesus overwhelmingly shown himself to 13 different locations and over 533 people saw him after his resurrection. What did they talk about? What roads were they on? What did they discuss? Much of that conversation and what took place is unknown to us, but we know that it happened. But this story that I read this morning, this is a Holy Spirit insight with detail. These are the 11 disciples. We know what happened. They're locked up in a bolted door, locked inside by themselves because they're hiding. They're hiding because they're fearful. What's strange about the story that they're hiding in a locked room that they lock themselves is that Mary Magdalene had already told them that Jesus was alive. Mary Magdalene said, I came to the tomb. And when I came to the tomb, I just came to mourn for him and kind of see what was going on. And when I came there, the tomb was empty. The seal of Rome had been, had been broken. The stone was rolled away. And all of a sudden, he appeared to me. He appeared to me. And he said, go tell my brothers that I'm alive and I'm going to meet with them later on. Notice he didn't call them disciples. He called them his brothers. After that They failed him. You would think that he would have said, go tell those rascals that failed me, that discouraged me, and and turn their back on me. Turn those sorry excuses for the disciples that I'm coming to reconcile with them. No, that's not what he says at all. He didn't say that. He said, you go tell my brothers. He could have said, you go tell them that boasted they would be down for me like four flat tires on a low rider, down for life. No, he didn't say that. He's so full of mercy. He's so full of love. He says, don't mention it to them, Mary, how they failed. Tell my brothers I'm alive and I'm going to meet with them there. I want you to know today, no matter how much you've messed up, no matter how many times you've fallen and blown, the Lord still calls you his very own. He calls you his dearest friend. He died for you to give you an everlasting life and to bring you hope and to bring you joy. He still calls you his very own. You know, when you love somebody, it's, it's really important you show it. And you never, when you really love somebody, start to pick up their faults. When you love somebody, you're always encouraging them and trying to lift them up. That's why mamas are so good at encouraging. You know, mamas cheer about everything. You ever see a kid? I mean, they can't play a sport to save their life. They can't walk and chew, chew gum. Oh, my little baby, he's the best bench warmer ever. If my little son, if my little warrior wasn't on the bench, those old clowns wouldn't make a, they they wouldn't do anything. You ever notice how that happens? Mama can encourage about anything. And my little son, they've got a D minus, but they are all A's to me. (laughs) Because they, mamas love their babies. Mamas love their children. There's nothing a parent won't do for their child. They love their child. Why? Because they're always lifting them up. They're always encouraging them. You can always tell how much somebody loves somebody because they're always lifting them up and encouraging them. But you can also tell when somebody doesn't love somebody so much because they're always looking to critique and to fault find and to criticize. And when people don't love you so much, they'll always look at the faults and not look at the potential. 
essential. Even Mary, after she had told them this, they're literally locked up in a room. Why? They intellectually know what she said. They know what he's, that she said that he's alive. They, they knew that what she said, but it just wasn't real to them. They knew she told him he was alive, but it just kind of wasn't, it wasn't real. I address that statement today because there are some of you in this room, you're here, and I figure you're either two things. You're either born again, you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, or you at the very least believe in Jesus intellectually. You believe that he died for you, possibly that he rose from the dead and was buried in the tomb. But unless that becomes real to you, unless that becomes real to your life, you're just like the disciples locked up in a room hiding because of fear. Unless that becomes something that the Holy Spirit tells you directly, you'll spend your life locked up hiding because of things of fear and intimidation. All of us in this building, we have areas of our life where we're, we failed and we get locked up in our own room, if you will, locked up, bolted behind the door because of fear, because of anxiety, because of worry, because of doubt, because of discouragement, because of depression, because of unbelief. The first question is, why are they hiding? Why in the world are they hiding? If Mary had told them that he's alive and he said he's going to come meet with his brothers, you would have thought they would have been high-fiving each other. They would have been doing fist bump. They would have been doing the holy macarena. They would have been doing whatever they do back in those days and then celebrating that he's alive, that all the words that he spoke to him, that the son of man must suffer and die and be raised again. Oh, that happened. We can't believe. But no, that's not what they did at all. It's like us sometimes. We know intellectually what the Bible says. We love to claim the promises of God that we can be the head and not the tail, above only but not beneath. We love to claim those that I'll be blessed in the city, blessed in the field, blessed going in and blessed coming out. We know what it says intellectually, but because of our own failures, our own inadequacies, our own disappointments, we live so low, so discouraged. And that's why we get what we get sometimes. And that's why these disciples were locked in a room because of their failures, because of their fear. We all have a tendency to live like that. What squeezes our life and really makes us small, it gets us hiding from the challenges of life because we issue a decree with our fear. And we treat failure as being final. We treat it like a tattoo instead of a bruise. Failure is not a tattoo. Failure is a bruise. It's temporary. Tough times do not last, but tough men and women of God do. But so often we think failure, I can't do anymore. They had to be thinking, wow, we lived with him three years. We lived with him. We talked to him. We saw the miracles. We saw him perform the mighty works of heaven. We boasted that we would never leave him. We would be loyal to him in the garden. We couldn't even stay and pray for one hour. We fell asleep. And when the Romans came and arrested him, we, we didn't have the strength to say, you have to arrest us too. We fell victim to our own failure and victim to our own fear. Let me give you a side note. When the 500 soldiers came in to arrest the son of God, the carpenter from Calvary. The scriptures say that they asked for Jesus of Nazareth and Jesus said, I am he. And the Bible says they fell to the ground as dead men. Why did 500 soldiers fall to the ground? I can tell you why. Because Jesus said, no man take my life. I lay it down as a ransom for many. He showed Rome and he shows you and I that nobody takes his life. He lays it down as a ransom for all. 
And I could see the disciples saying, we know all of this. We know it. We've seen him. We should have said, arrest us too. He's our master. Peter had to be thinking, I was the one that said, I'll never deny you. I'll never turn my back on you. I was the one that said, I would never turn. All others may fail you, Lord, but I'm going to be loyal unto the death. But yet a, a, a Jewish a teenager literally gets him to curse and deny the Lord three different times. He had to be thinking, how could I fail him in this time of need? Isn't it funny, ladies and gentlemen? I find it amusing that we find ourselves sometimes we think we're strong in areas, but we end up being so weak. We end up being so weak. We make promises to God. We make promises to ourselves. We say, man, I'm going to go on a do or die diet. How many, know, how many of you have ever been on a do or die diet? It's do or die. And then we get all these crazy fad diets. We get the paleo diet. We get the, we get the Atkins diet. We get the, we get the salt diet. Now we've got the garlic diet. You ever heard of the garlic diet? You don't lose any weight, but from a distance, you look a lot thinner. <laughs> Some of us want to get back to our original weight, seven pounds, three ounces. <laughs> like, I have a goal. I want to turn sideways, stick out my tongue, and look like a zipper. That's my goal. I want to literally go away because I'm so thin. I mean, people get crazy with these fad things, and we make all these crazy promises. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my word 17 hours a day. Five minutes in. Oh. I'm going to do this. We make promises. It's like the lady. She was doing so good on her diet. She was making all these proclamations and these promises. And she really started to see some action results because of her diet. And every day she would drive by the bakery on her way to work. And every day she just had such strength and fortitude. And she says, I resist thee, Satan. I'm not going to fall victim to thee again. And every day she had strength. But because she did so good, she was driving by one day. And as she was getting closer to the bakery, she said, Lord, every day I see the goods coming out of that bakery she says Lord you know my favorite is 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 chocolate chip uh, cookies and Lord if you want me to break my diet and have chocolate chip cookies today she said Lord when I drive by the bakery today on my way to work let there be a parking spot right out front she said that prayer and sure enough 17 times around there it was but we do, we kind of make promises that we really can't keep. I'll never do that again. I'll never go there again. I'll never be with him again. I'll never be with her again. I won't look them up on social media anymore. I'll stop trolling them. Who are they with now? We make all these promises, and then the devil comes and just beats us down when we blow it and brings guilt and condemnation, and our conscience gets violated, and it starts to set off the alarm that's inside of us, and it makes us feel so shaky. It makes our life feel so hidden. Now we're in a room feeling miserable. Have that ever happened to you? Has it ever happened to you where you, you failed the Lord when you've known him, and you made the mistake, and you felt like such a failure? Am I the only one? I mean, since you've known the Lord, you make those mistakes and you just kind of feel locked up in a room. This is the promise that Jesus made in John chapter 10, verse 10. He said, the thief comes. His objective is to rob, to kill and destroy. But I have come to give you life and to give that life to you more abundantly. Now, that abundant life is not talking about biological life. All of us are here living and breathing. Hopefully some of you in the back are breathing. 
but it's talking about a life not only that you'll get to go to heaven but an abundant life on this earth that you would have the joy of the Lord the peace of God the 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 peace of his grace you would have the abundant life that God intended for us to live that you would have the goodness of God in your everyday life that's the life God wants to give you a life that's full of abundance it's prosperous it's doing great things it's talking about a that life that's not internal only but a life that's full of the boldness of faith that's the life God wants to give to us but we end up even as believers locked up in a room like the disciples because of fear in our own little six by ten cell all the days of our life never really getting out and becoming everything God created us to become there are some of you in this room you're saved but you're not free you're not free because you're bound by your failures you're bound by your addictions you're bound by your fear you're saved but you're not free and we know the kingdom of God has come when freedom is given. And you're saved here today. But if we're honest, you're locked up in a room because of your failures and you haven't received your freedom. And God wants to give you not only that great gift of his son, that salvation, but he wants to give you the freedom and the joy and the peace and all of the things that heaven died to give you. I want you to realize that today because it doesn't matter what you've done, what your background is. God wants you to live a free and a bold life that Jesus called you to live because we are destined to win and we get it into Christ. But we begin to hide because of fear. One of the reasons that fear comes because we're so, we're so conscious of how we messed up. We get so conscious on our sin and on our things that we do wrong and We'll never do it again and we end up doing it again and we end up doing it again and again and again and we get so full of failures we get so hopeless not only is their past filled with failures but how about their present their presence filled with trouble not only was their past feeling like such just absolute dismal failures but now they're locked up in a room partially because of their current situation there's trouble all around them you are known as a disciple of Jesus. People recognize them. These were the guys that hung out with the Nazarene. This is the one that called fire down and, and literally had healing services and all the miracles. They were with the Nazarene as he handed out the loaves and the fishes and the basketfuls were left over. These are the ones that claimed that the kingdom of God and the Messiah had come. These are his followers. How would you like to be a follower of Jesus in Jerusalem a couple of days after he had just been crucified? They remembered the crowd yelling. Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And in 48 hours, they also heard the crowd scream, crucify him, crucify him, free Barabbas. They saw the Roman agnostic hands lift the son of God toward heaven. They saw the legionnaires begin to rip the mass of the bloody bones and flesh. They saw the blackened skies as dark as a thousand midnights come. And Calvary became a battle zone where Jesus Christ and Satan went hand-to-hand -hand combat. They knew that the Romans had had murdered the son of God they knew the brutality and the Jews absolutely put their hands to it and said let's get it done they saw this hostility and yet they're locked in a room not just because of their past failure but because of their current trouble the religious establishment has acted upon Romans uh, strength and they've killed the one that your life has been linked to how'd you like to live and the one that your life is linked to They've just been murdered. They've just been killed. And now people hate the name of Jesus Christ. You think you have problems? 
You think you're going through difficulties? That's why these guys were locked away. We all have difficult days, friends. Maybe you're here and you're facing problems and disappointments and discouragement. Maybe you're facing health issues or you're battling some personal crisis greater than your ability to handle the crisis. Maybe you're struggling in your finances or you're struggling in your identity. Maybe you're going through some hurts and some bruising and you've been betrayed and all these things have brought you to a place of failure. Now you're troubled in your day-to-day -day life because trouble's everywhere for you. Just like the disciples, trouble was everywhere. There was no New Testament. They're locked up in a room. There's no buildings. There's nothing for them. That's the problem. But lastly, they, they had another problem, an uncertain future. Think about this today. Their past is filled with failure. Their current situation is nothing but troublesome. And they're filled with all kinds of problems. Their future, what future are they going to have? How long will they live? The room is locked because the door is going to be kicked open by the Romans or by the high priests, and their life will be taken, perhaps just like Jesus's was, put on a cruel Roman cross. Jesus said all these things. I'm going to send you out in the world, and you're going to be my disciples, and you're going to bear much fruit, and I want your word to abide in me, and my word will abide in you. And now he's just been murdered. How are you going to live? We know Peter had a mother-in-law. Jesus healed her. He had a wife. Did they have children? Did they have families? What's going on? That time, what the followers of Jesus were the most despised people of that time. What type of future were they to have? Was there going to be a cross for them? No guarantees, no social security, no safety nets, no welfare, no moving to another town and starting over again. No closing out my social media account because all the yahoos in the past. None of that. They're facing miserable circumstances and trouble, and they're facing an uncertain future. So they lock themselves in a room, locked up, and then out of nowhere, door closed, hope appears. Jesus appears. He appears to them. A side note, it's interesting. This resurrection body of Jesus, listen closely. Jesus had this body, the Bible promises, that every believer will have. You and I will have it when we come to our glorified body. You think this is a glorified body? Not hardly. Look at this. This is not glorified. This is an Easter egg. But think about the glorified body of Jesus. The Bible promises that every believer will have it. The body that you and I will spend eternity with, clothed of our spirit, if you will. The clothing of our spirit. That body was just like the body of Jesus. That body was strange. He would eat food and he would just walk through the wall. That's what I call a light lunch. <laughs> He's laughing. You all laugh later. This body was strange. He would, he would eat. He would say, touch me, feel me. I'm not a ghost. Ghosts don't have flesh and bone. Don't be afraid. It's amazing. It's a mystical part of the Bible. And then he appears to them. And the Bible says he quickly does something. He shows them his hands. And he shows them his ribbon side, his glorified body. Even the nail prints are still there. And it shows you and I that what he has done has been eternal. It's an everlasting covenant that God has made with his sons and with his daughters. In Genesis chapter 15, God made a covenant with Abraham 
Abraham and to give him that blessed seed called Israel. That covenant was established when the blackened clouds of midnight came and Abraham and God made a covenant and they walked in the way of a figure eight and that land was given to the Jewish people forever. They don't occupy the land, they own the land because God gave it to them in a blood covenant. That covenant shows today if you go to Israel, what's the point? That covenant that Jesus Christ gave to you and I will show in heaven. How would you like to get to heaven? And all of a sudden you see the Son of God and He lifts up His hands and you see the nail prints. We're going to praise Him another billion years because of the goodness of our God. It's amazing. And this is the most amazing thing happens. The Bible tells us that from depression and fear, there's a 180. There's a turnaround. Now they're filled with joy. Everything is different. Everything has changed. Yet they're still in the room. The door is still locked, bolted on the inside. But Jesus is there. Friends, when you and I know that Jesus is alive and God the Holy Spirit makes that real to your heart, it changes everything about your life. Your circumstances may not change, but everything changes when God the Holy Spirit makes that real to your heart. There's a lot of people, man, they go to church and they talk Jesus talk and they sing Jesus song and they dress in Jesus what they think is apparel, but they don't know the Lord and they don't have a revelation of God more than this carpet is alive that I'm standing on today. What's the point to have a living Jesus you know he's there with you and you see the nail prints in his hand each and every day to say I'm with you always even to the ends of the earth come on my son come on my daughter I'm going to reach you out of your miry clay and I'm going to take you to your divine destiny God has a plan for your life but it's got to become real to you it can't be given by a presentation of a minister or a song sung it's got to be real to you and when it becomes real to you, it changes everything. He's alive. He's alive. That's important because now their past that was filled with failure, everything has changed. Because when they saw the nail prints, they realized and understood everything that he had done to get rid of the failures of their past. Maybe you're here today and you do not realize fully what Jesus has done. Maybe you've messed up 20 times, 200 times, 2,000 times. Looks like this side over here. Maybe you've messed up 20,000 times. That's probably you guys over here. Over here, 50. And it doesn't matter if your mess-ups were 20 years ago, 20 days ago, 20 hours ago, or 20 minutes ago. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus died to forgive you and make you whole. That's why he said to the thief on the cross, on the right side of him, when they said, we know why we're here, but this man in the middle is innocent. Would you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus said, this day, right now, you'll be with me in paradise. The first one to walk in the gates of heaven was a known criminal. What does that tell you and I? God is no respecter of people. He does not care where you've come from, what background you've come from. He has forgiven you and restored you and called you his very own. That's important to know today. For you to be here today and to live in guilt and condemnation is an insult to what was done at Calvary for you. He shows him his hands. Listen, 
And he says, you can't live in that guilt anymore. I love you, and I've washed all your sins away. Now I've, I, I want you to realize all their condemnation, all of their failed past, all of their failures. They realize it's been under the blood. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the blood that has shed at Calvary to wash away all of my sins. What sins? Not the ram, bulls, and turtle doves of the Old Testament. But God washed it all away. The first confession you've made of the Lord, he says in 1 John 1, 9, if you confess my sin, God's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Thank God for the blood. People are trying to figure out a way they can earn forgiveness and try to do this and that. God says, no, no, no. You can't earn my forgiveness. You can't pray my forgiveness. You can't give me my forgiveness. All you can do is receive what I've already done. All you need to do is receive it. God doesn't want to bring up your sin. He wants to wash away your sin. But what happens is we meet people in life. You probably have them in your life. Hopefully you're not sitting next to them. But they're people that try to bring up your past. I know what you did back in 1982. I know what you did last night. They're fault finders. They're always looking at what's wrong. You have people like that, you need to distance yourself from them. Block, delete, put in the garbage. It's not just on social media platforms. You got to do sometimes that with people. Block, delete, go away. My point is, we're not fault finders here. But people have that. Jesus is not looking to punish us. He's looking to pardon us. By being with them, he changed their present situation. Because no matter what problems you may have, I want you to understand Jesus is with you. And he's with you today. And if he's with you, who can be against you? No weapon formed against you is going to prosper. And though God has said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, what I want to encourage you is to realize today he's not dead. He's not dead, and he's not just a Sunday Jesus. He's an everyday risen from the dead Jesus. He's an alive and well Jesus every day. What we're not to do is say, well, now i got to get my compartmentalizing life together. God first, then family, and then my work, and then my little activity. My little activity I'm going to do. And then we start making this a religion. It's God first, period. Everything flows out of him. In him I live. In him I move. In him I have my being. It's not God first, then this, 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 this. It's God and God alone. Put him in the center and everything will flow out of that. Your hopes, your dreams, your disappointment, your setbacks. Come on, help me preach to somebody. All these things, you're not to compartmentalize. You are to put God first. First, period end of story and then everything flows out of that God will redeem the time he'll make it up to you he'll recall those things that are not as though they are don't you dare think for one minute that God doesn't have you in the palm of his hand you say well Joey I have to have this sense that I'm forgiven friend you're already forgiven you have to have that within your heart a risen, a risen savior in your heart but many of us are in locked rooms locked up Joey, I can't do that. Joey, I can't start that business. Joey, I, I can't solve that problem. You don't know what I've went through. You don't know the abuse that I've in, entertained all these years. You don't know, Joey. I can't reach that. I can't start that. I'm weak, Joey. I've made too many mistakes. I've, I've caused too much pain. Oh, but when Jesus is alive to you, when you know that Jesus is with you, 
What happens is there's a boldness that comes on you, a faith that comes on you, an ability to say, I can face life's challenges and I know nothing's impossible unto me. God's not looking at your faults. He's looking at your potential. You don't have to go look for trouble. Trouble will find you. Trouble comes to everybody. Jesus said, in this life, you're going to have trouble, but be of good cheer. I've overcame the world. And with him in you, the best is yet to come. You can overcome it as well. Jesus never promised a smooth sailing, but he did promise a safe landing. He said, I'll get you to the other side. You're not to live locked up in a room. You're not to live afraid. Doesn't matter what you're facing. Friends, God cannot be given a problem he cannot solve. No matter what you're facing today, you got to trust that God's with you. And he'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. And here they are, locked up in a room, full of failure, troubled by their present circumstances, full of anxiety and fear of the future and what it happens to hold. And Jesus said something amazing to them. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Who would have thought those who flopped and failed, God still had a plan? Who would have thought the 12 that one betrayed, the 11 are failures hiding, that God would have not got someone else, but he still had a plan? I want you to know that today it goes the same for you. Though you've made mistakes, though you've been discouraged, though you've done things you're not proud of, though you've said things that you're not honorable to, I want you to know God still has a plan. He's still got something for you to do. God has a plan for your life. And it doesn't matter what background you've come from. It doesn't. You don't have to be a preacher, a pastor, a minister, a missionary, a worship leader. You don't have to be any of those things. You can be a single mom. You can be a hard-working dad you can be a senior citizen 10 years old or 110 years old God has a plan he has a plan and he has tremendous confidence in you he has tremendous confidence in you today I can see the disciples saying to one another as the father sent me so I send you I can see such humility coming to them such an unworthy attitude, but yet in awe, as the Father sends me, so I send you. Send us, Lord. Send us. Send us. I say to you today, as the Father sent his Son, so God sends you. When God has a miracle to be done, he doesn't always send angels to do it. He sends you and I to do it. We are the miracle to somebody else's problem and pain. You are the rescuer and the hope deliverer and the warrior to someone else's pain. You need to realize that today. You have an authority and a might and an ability. You may not have the strength in you, but God says, I'm in you and I'm in you. Everything's going to come against you, but I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to be with you. Maybe you're here today and you're kind of locked up in a, a cell of your own, if you will. Maybe your life has been rejected and you're pointing to your past and you're saying, I can't go forward. I can't do that. But if you live in your past, you're going to be doomed. You can't get better by living in a bitter past. What you need to do is move forward. Would Jesus die on a cross and not give you everlasting life? Of course not. Would he die at Calvary and not take care of your everyday needs? Of course not. Would he give his life and be beaten, nailed to a cross and not take care of you or your children? Of course not. 
that's impossible for him not to provide for you. Would he love me with an everlasting love, Joey, and not take care of my future? Silly bear. Of course he will. He'll take care of everything. Today's a day where you have to say no more. No more am I going to let my limitations, no more am I going to let my past, no more am I going to let my what I've said, what I've done, all my mistakes, no more. I'm not going to let that dictate to me any longer living with failure, living in a troubled circumstance of today and worried and anxious about my future. No more. You never know what God will do if you just give him your heart and your life. Many of you don't realize that God has a great plan for you and your children, your family. I was never involved in a church. I had no religious upbringing. I had no background of church services or anything. When I was in the sixth grade, Jennifer is the oldest in the family. I was the baby in my family. And when I was in the sixth grade, my family fell apart. My dad and mom were together back then, but my day was a dramatic day as I was picked up by my father in a U-Haul trailer truck where he picked me up from my elementary school and drove me down the freeway to a motel where you pay by the week or by the hour. And he dropped us off and I said, are we gonna stay the night? And he says, something like that. We didn't stay a night, we didn't stay a week. We stayed years on the streets. And if matters couldn't get worse, my mom, who I love more than anything, I was a mama's boy, I was the baby. She developed a severe blood disease and wasn't able to take care of us any longer. And she was in and out of the hospital for weeks and those weeks were turned to months. And so I was a young man put on the streets and right out of junior high, I never even graduated junior high. One afternoon I came to school and the security and the police surrounded me and said, Joey, you gotta come to school tomorrow morning, 8.30 a.m., your parents need to show up. I didn't know what was happening, but they said, we're gonna talk about your future. We're gonna talk about what we're gonna do with you. I went to where my parents were staying at the motel. My dad was messed up on drugs. My mother was ill in the bed, bedridden. And I went as an elementary school coming into junior high kid and I knocked on the door of the hotel where they were staying and I said, they asked you guys to come to school tomorrow. I don't know what they're gonna do because I hadn't been coming. I, I thought, well, I don't know what's gonna happen. They said, yeah, we'll come, shut the door, we'll be there. And I came the next day to school at 8.30 a.m. but I was the only one that did. My mom or daddy didn't even show up to represent me. I sat in this office with these teachers and administrators and they, the police were outside and they said two options. The officers will take you today and you can be put into a group home and assessed or you can go to an alternative school where there's kids that are dysfunctional like you. I never heard that term before as a little boy, but I heard it that day. I didn't want to go with the police officers because I've already been arrested a few times as a youth. So I went to the alternative school where I'm embarrassed to tell you I lasted six months. I just dropped out. I had a ninth grade education. I never liked going around my family anymore because when I did, my daddy at one time, 6'3", 300 pound man, now he's, he's shooting heroin in his veins. He's stealing my stuff so he can get his fix. My mother's having fingers amputated and toes and now her bottom of her leg is amputated I'm supposed to be in school I'm supposed to be taken care of not abused and left homeless I realize life is pain and pain is life and I just better deal with it and I dealt with it like a lot of hurting young men do 
I dealt with it with violence and pain. My life fell apart. See, some of you don't realize that God always has a plan. See, that's the thing that you don't realize. God always has a plan. But sometimes when we're in the midst of our pain, we don't realize the plan that God has. I had no church upbringing. I had no family of faith. I never was raised in church. One day when we were looking for my dad, you want to know why Oasis Church exists? I can tell you why. Out of my pain. One day I, my dad was missing for weeks. And me and my older brothers were finding him. We were trying to find him because he had been gone. We were scared that he was dead. And we went to a local bar and a club where he used to play cards. We pulled up in the middle of this hellhole in Del Paso Heights. And I looked up as a little boy in the back seat and it said, Oasis Card Room. Dirt floor, dirt road, beat up shack. And I said, that is no oasis. And as a little boy that went off in my heart what an oasis is and what it is not. This church is not birthed out of religious entities. It's birthed out of our pain that God could use something. Before I was 18 years old, I was already a two-time convicted felon. I was in and out of youth authority. I was in and out of jail. I had made a mess of my life. And when I was 22 years old, I got invited for the first time to a church service. I've never been to church in my life. I wasn't raised in church. And I got invited because of a facility like we have in Stockton called the Lord's Gym City Center. That was birthed out of a pain and out of a need for this community. And I went to this church that I've never been to in my life. I wasn't raised in church, but because men of God like Donnie Moore invited me, I went. And when I went to this church for the first time, it was a Sunday night, a lot of people there like today. And that pastor that was talking that evening said, somebody in here is empty inside. Somebody in here, they have they all going on, on the outside. They look like they do. They said, but on the inside, they're empty. He says, the young man I'm talking about goes home every night and he cries himself to sleep because of the pain. Nobody knew that. Nobody knew that when I was a little boy, 11 years old, put out on the streets, I would say a prayer every night. God, please do something in my family. Don't let my daddy be strung out on those drugs and don't let my mother be sick and die. And I said that prayer for 12 long years. And that prayer felt like it was bouncing off this little ceiling. Felt like God wasn't home, he wasn't listening or maybe he just didn't care. And that night, I'm telling you something on the inside. That's what I'm saying. It's got to be real to you. It can't be just religious things. It's got to be real. I wasn't raised in church, and I was there that night. I've never been. I'm 22 years old, and I'm the wannabe. I mean, I'm hardened. I'm abused. I'm hurting. I have no hope. And that night, I did something I've never done before. He said, somebody tonight needs to give their life to Jesus. I didn't even know what it meant. He said, come forward and meet me at the front. Here I am, a 22-year-old man at the time, and I walked what seemed to be miles, and I went forward, and I bowed my knee, and I gave my life not to a religion. I gave it to a person, Jesus Christ, the hope of glory. He changed me. He touched my heart. I was changed. Some of the old-time saints would say, he got a double dose of the Holy Ghost. I got a double dose.
I come off my knees a changed man. And I went home and I called my mother and father. I said, would you come to church with me? Jesus changed my life. I'm talking about using your failures, taking your current troubled situation and not letting the anxiety of your future of the unknown dictate what God has a plan for you. And out of that pain and chaos, that next Sunday morning, I had two guests. A strung out, addicted father and a sick mother. Thank God they were there. And thank God that man gave an invitation. I watched my mother raise her hand. I watched my daddy raise his hand. Of course, I raised my hand again. Never underestimate the double takes. I'm going to get saved every day. I don't care. I just need him. And for the first time in 12 years, that morning, something that had never happened before in my life, we became a family. God took the chaos of a broken home and he put together a family. A family that was birthed in pain, birthed in destruction, hurts, and he built a home. I'm telling you that for a reason today, that God could take your chaos, he could take your pain, he could take your success, no matter what you have, if you'll give it to him, he can make it better. He can change it. You have to unlock the cell and get out and let Jesus come in and change everything.